their own quiz technique is every day when their students come in. Say, okay, put your notes away. And then I start asking questions. I just randomly pick people. I'll say, what's the shape of the earth? And they get like two seconds. And if they don't say oblate spheroid, zero, they get it right, they get a hundred. And this just goes on every single day. Except the next day, I ask questions not from the previous day, but from the day before that. You know, so by the time you get to March, I'm still asking them questions from September. I'm actually reviewing everything. I quiz them everywhere. In the breaks, in the hallway, I would quiz them. I, I would get on the bus before they got off the bus and I would quiz them. Um, I'd go to lunch and sit down with them and quiz them. Gym class was fun. I remember many days running around the track asking them questions. I know it sounded like I'm a psycho, but it worked. That is Chris Visco, retired high school earth science teacher and current community college professor who joins us to discuss his wild 41 years as an educator. Join us as it's time to get schooled with Mr. S. Hello, and it's so nice to have you back for another show. If you're new to our audience, welcome. I think you'll like this podcast. My name is Mr. S, and today we dive into the world of earth science and have an extremely passionate guest to introduce you to. Our guest is a force. I almost picture him as one of those teachers that you would see in the movies, a dead poet society, those transformer teachers that change your life. My producer, Dan Gentile, had Chris Visco way back in 1992 in grade nine at St. Chip South High School. And I remember knowing that earth science was a very, to me, yet having already taken it, a very dull course, a very rote course. And that is not how Dan described it to me. That was Mr. Visco's influence, an infectious passion for the subject matter. There are a few teachers in our life that we can remember. Maybe not what they taught or the tests that they gave, but the people who they were. The passion, the intensity, you're going to see that. And I think you're going to love this interview with Chris Visco. Find out about his out of this world path to the classroom coming up next on Get Schooled with Mr. S. When I got into the podcast game, I had no idea what I was doing. I needed advice, someone to bounce ideas off of, and someone to handle all the back-end production work. Bearcat Group helped guide me through the process. They worked with me on the feel of the show, rundowns, and helped set up all the equipment in my house. They even helped me create my show's artwork and social handles. I was in good hands with the team at Bearcat Group. They really worked hard to make me feel comfortable. Bearcat Group offers experienced editors and engineers, professional producers, and a totally virtual production process. 24-hour turnaround time on recordings, publishing, and distribution options. They even have equipment you can rent if needed. Now that Get Schooled with Mr. S is up and running, they produce, edit, and publish the podcast, leaving me just to worry about the content of the show. If you are looking to start an audio or video podcast, check them out, bearcatgroup.com, and speak with them about your vision, and they'll make it happen. That's bearcatgroup.com. They make podcasting easy. Welcome back. I'm Mr. S, and I'm very excited for our guest this week. He's had 41 years in education, a very interesting resume. 
I was taught science at the high school and collegiate level. And we welcome Chris Visco to Get School with Mr. S. Chris, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. My pleasure. Tell us a little bit about your background in education. Um, how did you get started in education? I always like our guests to tell the story of how they made it into the education industry. Okay. Um, very convoluted. I, uh, ever since I was seven years old, I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, my parents just shook it off because all little kids want to be firemen, policemen, and astronauts. And I got to high school and you know, they said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be an astronaut. I was actually giving lectures on Long Island when I was a junior in high school about the space program. I went to my guidance counselor and told her I wanted to be an astronaut. She was the most horrible guidance counselor in the world. It was Mrs. Whitley from Farmingdale High School. She told me I shouldn't go to college. That's a whole other story. And so I, uh, I started looking around. I was really good in chemistry. So I decided I was going to major in chemistry because to be an astronaut on the space shuttle, you just needed to be a mission specialist. You just needed a degree in science. I picked Oneonta. Off I went, signed up for all the prerequisite classes. And the first class I had was my chem class, which met in an IRC room. And it held about 500 people. And I was like, oh, my God, after being in a, you know, a smaller high school. And you can't ask questions. And teachers wailing away. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what he was talking about. And I even took AP Chem in high school. But thank God, uh, the next day, we had small group recitation. It was like 10 people in a class. And that's where you got to ask questions. And so I got there, and that didn't turn out too good. Couldn't understand one word he was saying. And I was pretty depressed. Um, I realized I'm in a lot of trouble. Now, when I had signed up for my courses... You know, you have to pick one of those and one of these. And uh, I needed an elective. And the only thing that was open was a physical geology class, which I wasn't even sure what that was. And I went to the physical geology class on a Wednesday. And I walked in and the teacher shook my hand, which blew me away. And there were only 10 people in the class. And everybody was there. He said, all right, follow me. And we went outside and got in a van, drove out of Oneonta, drove up a mountain, got out, walked through the woods, stopped on a cliff. And he started teaching us about glaciers. And when he we got back to the, the room, I was like, Dr. Kemper, are you weird? And he, and he laughed. And he goes, what do you mean? I says, is, is, is this like normal? And he goes, oh, yeah. Because we go on field trips all the time. We go on the weekend. You know, we'll go during spring break. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, I got to go. And I remember I called up my parents. I said, oh, I'm changing my major. I want to be a geology major. I went to see my counselor. Um, and they were like yelling at me. This is just the third day of school. You can't change. I said, I don't care what you said. I'm changing my major to geology, which I did. Um, because, you know, being an astronaut doesn't matter. Um, and at the, at, I was doing pretty good. I uh, had written a letter to Grumman um, asking if I could come watch them build the lunar module. And I got a letter back from the president of Grumman. And he was like, I'm sorry, we don't give tours. But he was so impressed with my knowledge, he gave me one. So I got to go one-on-one -on -one with the president of Grumman. I actually got to hang out with astronauts and fly the simulator. Um, my freshman year, I got invited to see Apollo 17 takeoff. That was the first night mission, it was the last mission to the moon. And of course I was excited because Harrison Schmidt was on there. He was the first geologist. So I, I was like gung-ho signing up every single geology class. And my dad was a teacher at Farmingdale College and, you know, he was like, did you ever think about teaching? And I was like, nah, not really. I, but I figured, I mean, I'll take some education courses, which I wanted to kill myself. 
Hmm. Um, and I got a dual degree in geology and education. Um, and then I immediately got my master's, but I got a real master's in geology because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Graduated from Binghamton with my master's, came home, started looking for jobs. Um, I remember going to all the environmental consulting firms on Long Island and trying to get a job. And they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, no, this was 1977. And I said, I want to work with groundwater pollution. And they said, oh, the, the groundwater on Long Island's fine. There is no pollution. I was like, what are you on drugs? Did you guys hear about landfills? And I was actually like 10 years ahead of my time. Ahead of the curve. Yeah. And so I ended up uh, working in Macy's at the Sunrise Mall, putting up Christmas decorations, still trying to look for jobs. I couldn't work for an oil company because I would blow my brains out because they're evil. Um, and a earth science teacher position opened up at Holy Family High School in Huntington. And I figured, what the heck? So I took that. And uh, pretty wild how things turn out. Um, I don't know if, if you're a big movie fan, if you ever watched uh, City Slickers. And remember, he was enamored with uh, Curly. You know, mm -hmm. the cowboy had all the secrets of life. And Curly, you know, he was like, well, what's the secret of life? And do you remember what Curly said? He said one thing. And Billy Crystal's like, well, what's the one thing? And, and Curly said, that's for you to find out. Um, and, and it's funny how your careers are convoluted. I was supposed to be the teacher. Um, now, I did apply to be an astronaut three times. The third time I got pretty close. Um, I got down from a pool of 30,000 to 1,000. Um, it's just, you know, the competition is insane. But I realized that what I'm supposed to be doing, my one thing, is teaching. Um, so that, that's how it ended up. So I, I never started out. You know, with my eyes on teaching, my, my eyes were on the sky. So, so sorry, it wasn't a, a short answer, but that's the true story. No, and, it, and it's always very interesting to hear how people land in the classroom. And obviously, you have a great passion for the subject. Is you The Challenger incident of 86, do you remember where you were at the time? I'm assuming you were teaching by then? Yeah, I was eating uh, lunch with the chemistry teacher and listening to the radio. And uh, I heard that. And it was funny because everybody thought I was going to apply to be the teacher in space. And um, I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be the teacher in space. I want to be an astronaut, you know. Um, and, and I was still holding out hope in the back of my mind that, you know, maybe I could end up doing that. But with Congress and people, you know, lack of funds, NASA really took a hit. And, and I realized, you know, this isn't going to happen. What do you think made you successful as a teacher? I've talked to people who come through Sachem, and your name comes up in a very positive way. What, what do you think were your best features as a teacher? Um, two things. Um, there's a famous saying that the best geologist is the one who's seen the most geology. And, you know, I, I can't speak so much from elementary, although I have actually taught elementary school. But um, I find that the more you know, the better teacher you are. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, textbook. I'm talking about, you know, on my summer vacations, oh my God, you know, I went and did geology. I'd be caving. I would be dinosaur hunting, collecting rocks, collecting fossils. You know, I had lots of my own samples, all my own samples, lots of stories. Most of involved the police. Um, and the, and of course I took slides, you know, back then I didn't have a cell phone. I had over 5,000 pictures. Wow. So I had, I was self-contained unit. And so it, my, I just loved the subject. 
And, and the other thing was my philosophy of teaching, which was out crazy the crazies. Um, and it worked. It absolutely worked. You know, the, most students do things to get, you know, classes' attention to disrupt the class. Sure. They could, there's nothing they could do that would upstage me. I mean, I would just, I was out of control, but it worked. E- even the worst students would just sit and stare at me. You know, I'd get compliments like, you're crazy. You're a psycho. I was like, well, thank you very much. Um, and, you know, and I've taught all levels. I taught um, the AP. I taught honors. I taught, we had at Sachem a challenge. where stupid before everybody took the regents. Students that were not in regents classes, they wanted to see if they could do it. Um, you know, so I've taught all levels. Electives that weren't even regents. And I, I was successful always because I didn't let the students drive me nuts. I drove them nuts. And, and most of the time, my passion won them over, you know, because they realized I, I, I really know what I'm talking about. And I was excited about it. And, you know, I was not boring. I talk to young teachers and say, know your subject and be enthusiastic about it. And that that can be half the battle because you're you're managing so many unique personalities. So so that is a powerful combination, is it not? Absolutely. See, the problem is, though, um, you can't teach somebody to teach. And. You know, the, the education schools don't like to hear that stuff, you know, because most of the education courses are absolutely useless. You know, if you want to be an earth science teacher, take every freaking earth science geology class you can find and then see, can you teach? You know, taking, you know, Bloom's taxonomy and, and all this, you know, the educational theory. None of that stuff matters when you're up there. What matters is the subject, you know, and uh, I mentored some, you know, new teachers for a while and. You know, sometimes it was depressing, you know, because I'd say, you, you want to go rock hunting with me this weekend? They're like, nah, going to sit and watch a movie. I was like, what are you on drugs? <laughs> You're an earth science teacher. <laughs> How could you not want to come with me and collect rocks? So I, it's really sad. I don't see as much passion among new teachers as there used to be. It's funny you say that because I'm a mid-career teacher. I'm in year 20 uh, and, I, and I can speak from my early career, my mid-career you can speak for the entire continuum. How? What changes have you seen for the better or for the worse in students, in the classroom, in the environment? Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, my God. Um, we baby the students now. We have excuses for students. We came to this stupid idea that everybody is academically oriented. Um, you know, all of that is just, it's like a black hole sucking everybody in. You know, when I went to school, in the 60s, you know, we had regents, honor regents, and general. You know, it, it was recognized that there were people that were not academically oriented. They weren't going to go to college. Schools actually had, you know, metal shop and electric, and automotive. Um, and, and, and that kind of got thrown out of the schools. And a lot of it went to BOCES, but it became like an, a, a negative thing that you went to BOCES. Um, right. Really sad, you know, where, the, you know, the plumber makes more money than I make. Um, you know, it's not a negative thing. And students, you know, we don't have standards anymore. Um, you know, back when I started teaching earth science, it was 100 multiple choice questions. That's it, right? They take the test, I'd run it through the Scantron, boom, done. What you got is what you got, you know? Now, you know that, I guess about 20 years ago, I remember exactly when they decided in New York State, everybody's taking the Regents exam. Um, and they thought that that was going to increase standards. I knew right away this isn't going to work. Just the opposite. 
Well, yeah, because there are students that can't do regents work. The parents are then going to sue. So what do you do? You dumb everything down. I'll tell you a little dirty secret. Now, when you take the earth science regents, if you get a 65 on the regents, you don't get a 65. There's a conversion scale. It's a joke. You come down from here, you come over from there, and typically it comes in somewhere around a 45. You get a 45 and you pass. It's like, are you kidding? You know, and so the public doesn't know this. They just hear everybody, you know, is taking regents exams. God, if I was in control of stuff, 65 would not be passing in schools. 85 would be passing. You don't get an 85, see ya, you're getting left back, you take it over again. I mean, you want a doctor that knows 85% of the anatomy? You know, an airline pilot that knows only, it's just, it, it, it's nuts. You know, and that's mastery learning, demanding that people know things better. And I, I've been dabbling in mastery learning a lot. I'm still doing it, even teaching college. Um, I get a lot of weird looks. Um, people telling me you can't do that, but I, I keep doing it. And what do you like about the approach that it, it makes the students more thorough uh, in their work as they attempt it? Or does it work that way? Yeah, they know their stuff. I'll give you a funny story. Um, I was a finalist for New York State Teacher of the Year, and I had to go up to Albany, you know, sitting with my superintendent and the principal and, you know, the governors there and the legislators and everybody. And the woman that won, I'll never forget, Marguerite Izzo, she gets up there and she gives her a little speech, you know, and I, it's funny. I remember exactly. She goes, you know, my philosophy is if I tell the students, if you don't learn the way I teach, I'm going to teach the way you learn. And I, I spit out my food <laughs> and I turned to my superintendent. It was like, oh, my God. I said, I wish I was up there. I said, you know what I would say? Study or you fail. That was always my philosophy. Study or you fail. Don't give me this. I'm going to teach the way you learn. Uh-uh-uh. You know, and I know that sounds mean and, and people that think that I'm insensitive, it works. I mean, in, in, the, in the all the 40 years I was teaching earth science, you know, I had two students fail, two, okay? My students, 90% of them achieved mastery level. I mean, I had like the best regents results anywhere. And, and when I started teaching AP, same thing. My students all got fives and fours, you know, and the other teachers are like, how are you doing that? It's like, it's called study and fail. I drove them nuts. I demanded excellence. One of the famous things I invented um, is the oral quiz. Um, and it's, mm. it's pretty cool because I have over 100 students now that are earth science teachers. And a lot of them are using my oral quiz technique. The oral quiz technique is every day when the students come in. Say, okay, put your notes away. And then I start asking questions. I'm like a serial killer. I just randomly pick people. Mm. I'll say, what's the shape of the earth? And they got like two seconds. And if they don't say, oh, blade sphere, I did zero. They get it right. They get 100. And this just goes on every single day. Except the next day, I ask questions not from the previous day, but from the day before that. You know, so by the time you get to March, I'm still asking them questions from September. I'm actually reviewing everything. Um, and I also didn't just quiz them in the classroom. Um, I quiz them everywhere. In, in the breaks, in the hallway, I would quiz them. I, I would get on the bus before they got off the bus and I would quiz them. Um, I'd go to lunch and sit down with them and quiz them. Gym class was fun. I remember many days running around the track asking them questions. The best was if you told me where any of your friends worked, I gave you special coupons and I would go get them at work. 
I remember showing up at friendlies and restaurants. And um, I know it sounded like I'm a psycho, but it worked. They knew their stuff. Even today, it's weird. I'll run into students, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll blurt out a, a question and they, they just, they know the answer. So, you know, it's a, a lot of people don't do this anymore. You know, they're just, they're afraid of the parents. They're afraid of demanding excellence. Um, students, students will rise to the occasion. You know, if you set the bar at 65, you know what they say. You know, I hope I get a 65. So, you know, I, that was one of the many techniques that I, that I used to get them to do well. And it, it worked. I'm still doing it with my college class. I teach at Suffolk. Same thing. They're getting out of their car in the parking lot and I go running over and I start asking them questions. That's great because it shows the, the passion for the subject, the accountability. I think the accountability is the piece that's missing. A recommendation was made to our staff, change zeros to 25s and 50s. How do you, what's your take on that? Change 20? What? <laughs> that, what? That's like red meat for you, Chris. No, zero is zero. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I am. Um, oh, God. It, 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 there only should be hundreds of zeros. I did that for a year. I started doing uh, I started doing my tests and you had to get a hundred on a test. Wow. You got if you didn't get a hundred on a test, but you got a ninety, you got an eighty, you got a zero. But this caveat, you were allowed to take the test again. You kept taking the test till you got a hundred. Well, damn if it didn't work. Okay. But the principal found out and he calls me out to his office. He's like, let me get this straight. They get a ninety on the test and you give them a zero? I was like, yeah. He goes, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. I said, you ever hear of mastery learning? And I said, they, they don't stay with the zero. They will all end up getting a hundred. No, no, you can't do that anymore. It's like, oh my God. You know, so that, you know, stuff like that, that I come up with an idea and I got yelled at. I'll give you another example. In high school, huge problem. Students congregating in the hall. Bell rings, they're in the hall. Teachers go out, get the class, you know, there's confrontations. Sure. So I decided, no, I'm, I'm not dealing with this. So that they'd be out in the hall. I would go out, there'd be a group of like four girls. I would get right in the middle of them and I'd start teaching. I'd just pick a topic and I would start teaching. You know that they would just, they, they left. <laughs> yeah, that's I got called out to the principal's office. Students have complained, you're harassing them. I was like, well, let me get this straight. If I yell at them to get the class, that's harassment. But if I'm teaching them, <laughs> right? That's like, uh, it drove me. So I had to stop doing that. Um, but, you know, there are ways of dealing with a lot of problems that work so well. Just, you know, you have to out crazy the crazies. Cafeteria duty, right? People hate cafeteria duty because the kids like their garbage laying around. Sure. Now, with me, I would sit down and teach them about Tragedy of the Commons by Garrett Hardin. For like 20 minutes. And they're, sitting, they're trying to talk with their friends. Damn, if they didn't clean up all their garbage the next day. Because <laughs> they knew if I if they didn't, I was coming over and I wasn't gonna yell, I was gonna teach them something. You know, so that that you know, that's they don't do they should teach this stuff in education schools, you know? Teaching people how to deal with different types of students, but you know, but not the psychological stuff. Just, you know, come at them with teaching. It works, it really works. I think the best teachers, they know their audience, they know how to, you know, find, get in there. And, and it sounds like you were able to push the envelope in ways that many people couldn't, but you found a way to kind of reach the unreachable. So that, that, that's very impressive. Yeah. Well, 
The only reason I was able to push the envelope is because my results were ridiculous. Sure. You know, like if I had a lot of people failing, oh my God, I probably would have got fired. Uh-huh. You know, but <laughs> you know, I, I I would get yelled at for stuff sometimes and I'd pull out my results and, you know, they would just shake their head. I remember I was teaching AP environmental science and they, they hired a uh, a guy and they bought a, coll- a border collie for $5,000 to chase the Canadian geese on the hmm. football field. And that was like, you know, antithesis to, to what I'm teaching them in environmental science. <laughs> so I, I borrowed a bullhorn from the gym teachers and we used to open up the window and start yelling at the guy to leave the geese alone. And, you know, I got called down to the principal's office for that one. He says, you're harassing the, you're harassing the, you know, the groundskeeper. I said, well, he's harassing the geese. And he just shook his head and I left. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you can do stuff and push the envelope, but you got to back it up. You know what I mean? You've got to be good at what you do. You have to have results. Um, but then you're more likely to get away with stuff. You know, we're, we're, we're a lot of teachers, you know, aren't just, they're not doing anything right. You know, the, I remember I was mentoring a nurse science teacher and, you know, you're sitting in the back of the room and she puts up the PowerPoint and it's got notes with blanks on it. And then she gives out papers with the same notes with the blanks. And, you know, as she's talking, the word shows up on the PowerPoint and the kids write it, you know, and I, after class, I was like, what the hell are you doing? And she was like, well, if, if I don't do this, how am I supposed to know what to say? Oh. And it was like, oh, my God. I says, if you need to look at a PowerPoint to know what to say, then maybe you shouldn't be teaching. As you might expect, she went down to the principal crying, and that was the end of my mentoring. But mm. you know what? Somebody had to say that to her. Tough love. Exactly. I mean, what favor are you doing, you know, not telling people that stuff? So if, if you were starting a school from the ground up and you were wanted, needed to hire 10 teachers to teach your subjects, what qualifications would you look for in an interview? What, how would you hire? Yeah, that would be fun. I would love that. I'd be looking for clones of me. You know, um, you know, for the for the bio teacher. Oh, so, you know, you go scuba diving. Um, do you have any pets at home? Just just that whole thing. Social studies teacher. You know, I want the guy who on his vacations visits like all the historical sites. I want the guy that dresses up like George Washington, you know, in the class um, math. I don't want a guy that's just doing math. I want a guy that's got an angle. I want a guy that teaches a math class about dinosaurs, a whole entire math class about dinosaurs. You know, um, you could do that. Talking about how fast are they going? So now you can do logarithmic equations. You could do algebra, figure out, you know, the speed that they were going. It's, that would be so cool. So, I, you know, I would be looking for people that were experts in their subject and, and you know, thinking out of the box. And you know what? You can, you can tell pretty quick when you talk to somebody. You know, like I've never interviewed anyone, but that would be so much fun to be an interviewer. Um, They would probably flip out because I wouldn't be asking the normal questions, you know, that an interviewer would ask. I want to know their personality, their enthusiasm. That would be cool. And this is coming through loud and clear, your enthusiasm. I'm, I'm sure our audience can relate to it. I'm hoping that they in their teaching can can find that enthusiasm, find that passion, because that is just so important. I did want to touch upon you. We talk about ahead of the curve in a couple of ways. You've been talking about climate change since 1977. Was that even on anyone's radar back that far? Absolutely. Are you kidding? 1800s. 18, it was 1877. Is when I forget the guy's name. So with an A. Is when they start first started talking about carbon dioxide and climate change. 
Um, yeah, the, the whack jobs think this is like a new thing. Yeah, so I was, you know, big. I actually, when I, at Holy Family, I taught uh, chemistry, um, earth science, and I taught an environmental science class. And I did a whole big thing on climate change. And it's, you know, I, I'm still in contact with some of my students that I had back then. It was uh, 1978 to, to 81. Um, and it's wild because you know, they're like, you know, all this stuff that you said was going to happen, it's actually happening now. Mm. Like, yeah, no kidding. I was making it up. Um, yeah, that's what's so cool about earth science. It's, you know, people tell me, don't you get bored teaching the same thing every year? I say, like, I don't teach the same thing every year. I'm constantly reading journals, you know, articles, I'm out doing stuff. So, no, I don't teach the same thing every year. No way. Um, in fact, you know, every morning in the shower, we'd be like, hmm, okay, I'm going to do igneous rocks today. How, I, how should I do it today? You know, I'll, I'd always keeping it fresh. So I was never bored, ever, ever, ever. That's the thing. If a teacher's bored, what's going to happen to the class, right? Rocks remember. Can you talk about that? That's the most important thing in geology, okay? You know, okay. We about time machines and um, we have a time machine. Rocks are time machines. And, you know, you've probably seen somebody reading like a Chinese newspaper. Means nothing, right? It's just a bunch of like squiggles and stuff. And, or like I see people doing sign language. I don't know what in the hell they're talking about when you're doing that. And, and, and rocks are the same way. Rocks have their own language. And they can tell you amazing things um, about the past that, that, you know, it's my whole geology course is based on rocks remember. It could tell you how they form. They're able to tell you what the climate was like, things that happened. And then you got metamorphic rocks that are reincarnated. They could even tell you who they used to be before, you know, before they change into a different type of rock. They, you know, there's atomic clocks in them. They can tell us how old they are. So, you know, we, we've been able to piece together a whole history of our planet. And, and the way we did it is we listened to the rocks. And, and that's even in the, my high school earth science class, that was a big thing. You know, I'm going to teach you guys how to listen to a rock, um, you know, and because they thought I was nuts, but. It works. And, you know, and I have all my own samples. I never, ever use the stuff that schools bought. The stuff that schools bought was horrible. You know, from Wards, maybe for Wards, like the big science company, they would have these pathetic rock samples that were like the size of a golf ball. It's like, no, 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 no. Be the real stuff. My rocks, I don't have rocks small and bowling balls. You know? <laughs> that's um, great. That's what you want to pass around the class to see. You know, and, and I got and every rock I pass around is a story. I found it. I show the pictures of it. You know, I, I can get them intrigued in it because it's, you know, it's just the coolest thing. My next question, your enthusiasm is terrific. I could just feel it. And you could see that positive feedback that you would give students. This has been a tough year through COVID. A lot of anti-teacher sentiment, anti-unions, the whole thing. And I'm not sure teacher morale in our audience is where it was pre-COVID. Do you have any um, words that might be helpful? Any um, message out for the teachers who are having a tough time this year for a variety of reasons? Oh, geez. Get the vaccine. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> um, hey, I'm in the boat. I mean, I teach at Suffolk and I'm teaching remotely now. Okay. And it is a challenge, um, especially for somebody like me, because normally... I'm in that class. I'm in a big lab room. 
It's sure. like, hey, everybody come down in the front. Joe and mm-hmm. Hal, you know? Right. Got all my dinosaur fossils there. And I start passing them around and they're holding them. It's like, well, look at that. You're actually holding a footprint, you know, from a hundred million years ago. And I can't do that now. I took pictures. I hold stuff up on the computer. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've lost that connection that I've had with them. I'm still enthusiastic. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I, you know, I heard our governor and Bill Gates, you know, say how this is so wonderful. And, and when this is all over, you know, maybe we should keep doing this. You know, that this is a great way to educate. They're totally on drugs. They have no freaking clue what they're talking about. You cannot replace a teacher in the classroom. Yeah, I know that I've, I actually teach in-service courses for teachers, you know, and I'll teach those online. Mm-hmm. That's a little different with an adult. We're talking about kids, you know, and I'm also a grandparent and I babysit two of my grandkids a couple of days a week, kindergarten and second grade, you know, and they're doing remote learning. And it's just like, oh, my God, because I used to actually go in and teach their classes. Mm -hmm. I would go in and teach a first grade class or a second grade class. You know, little kids are awesome. Um, But on the computer, you know, I I have to tell my grandson, you know, stop looking out the window, you know, stop playing with the dog so that, you know, I don't have any words of wisdom for teachers. Um, It's a mess, absolute mess. And we all know it's a mess. You know, the problem is the public thinks this is a piece of cake. They think, oh, you're getting paid the full salary and you're sitting at home. You know, it's like, shut up. It's, like, <laughs> it, it's so much more work. It's insane. I can't believe how much extra time I spent getting my college class ready to go online. It's it's nuts, you know. So it, I, I wish I had words of wisdom. There aren't any. There's no encouraging words. It stinks. It's horrible. Get the vaccine. I mean, that's the only thing I could say, you know, that eventually we'll go back. Um, I think some parents appreciate us now a little more. Agree. Because they see what's going on. But, you know, I, you know, I hear a lot of parents complaining about teachers. And, you know, and to be fair, you know, there's those teachers that in the classroom are terrible. Well, guess what? There's <laughs> not going to be better online. Yeah, they're just as bad online, if not worse. Um, you know, so, you know, it's like everything. It's well, look at the police now what's going on. Right. That um, you know, some of the things that some of the police did were horrible. But what what has society done? It's indicted the whole profession. Right. And, and that always happens with teachers. Right. You get that one bad teacher and everybody starts picking on all of us. You know, it's like, welcome to the club. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Just hang, hang in there. We, we will. And, and I think over time, I know I obviously a good in-person teacher. I can teach remote fairly well, but it's when they put half the class in front of me and half on Zoom. Right. That is a challenge. And, and you know, I'm just waiting for that full return. So, so it's interesting to hear your take on that. So... As I'm listening to to you talk throughout the interview, I'm saying he's never going to retire. Am I right? <laughs> um, I have no. Well, if I don't annoy students, who's going to do it? You know? <laughs> like if I if I don't get them excited about it, about rocks and stuff, I worry maybe somebody else won't. You know what I mean? Like 
you know, the Confucius saying, the guy that loves his job never works a day in his life. Sure. Um, high school teaching was great. I mean, I had the, the smartest kids. It was all the administrative crap that started to really wear me down. You know, back in the day, you shut your door and that was it. You know, then the, yeah, then those days are gone. And, and then the crap started. And I remember one of the last things was, uh, oh, we're giving midterms because we, we have a lot of students that, you know, the, the, the parents are getting upset that at the end of the year they do bad. So uh, <laughs> you have to do midterms, you know, so you have to spend like two or three days reviewing and then a day giving the midterm. And I remember I went to see the guy that was in charge of instruction and was like, I had my regents results. I said, I haven't had a student fail the regents in like 15 years now. I have perfect results. I said, and most of them get in the nineties. So if you're, if your mission for the midterm is to improve results, my results are unimprovable. Does that mean I don't have to do the midterm anymore? And, you know, I, I got the, you're a wise ass. Get out of here. Yes, I have to do it. Um, it was stuff like that, that, that wore me down. You know, and it was just like, you know, and then, of course, my, my the year I retired, the uh, the uh, government, New York State gave a three year incentive. OK, couldn't pass that up. Um, but I had started teaching at Suffolk the year before that. And uh, college teaching is the way high school teaching used to be back in the day. Interesting. When I started. I mean, when I started at Suffolk, <laughs> I, I would go to the chairman all the time. I was like, what, what, what book do I use? And she was like, I don't care. You know, and then then I come like, well, like, what about the test? And she was like, why are you asking me this? She goes, we don't care what you do. Just teach the subject. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's been like 20 years since I heard that. Um, and that's, you know, when I started teaching high school, that's the way it was. You were in charge of your classroom. You know, now, oh, my God, the, the, the new thing was the principal. Listen to this. I'm not making this stuff up. The principal wanted to walk down the hall. Earth science is being taught on the left side and the right side. He wants to hear the same thing in his left ear that he hears in his right ear as he's walking down the hall. So that parents, if they start complaining, they say, oh, they're doing the same thing in the classes. Can you believe that? It's like, oh, my God, there's no way I'm doing stuff the way everybody else is doing stuff. So, you know, that's, you know, co college is great. And thank God I got a real master's degree because um, you can't teach college unless you have a master's degree uh, in the subject. You know, if you just have a master's in like an education, done count. Mm -hmm. So anybody out there that's look, looking to get a master's, I'm telling you right now, get it in the real subject. Is it more work? Yeah. But at least you're learning something instead of education classes. And down the road, you know, you might end up teaching college. So in your um, teaching tree, if you will, about 100 students became earth science teachers. Um, do, you, do they model themselves after you? Do you stay in touch with them? Uh, how does that treat you? Yep. Um, a lot of them also, um, I have ones working for environmental consulting firms, you know, doing all this. Stuff. In fact, I was just, here's a funny story for you. Uh, I got a, a new Jeep last month. Um, and the, they were working on it and putting out the hitch put on. So they had a young kid drive me to my house. So we're going along. So you, you know, you right away, I was like, Oh, where'd you go to high school? You know, I goes, Oh, I went to St. Jamie's. So it's like, no crap. I said, who'd you have? And he goes, Oh, I, I, I took a earth science and a, um, AP environmental science with, with Mr. Creasy. I was like, Oh my God. I said, he was my student. I had him. Um, and then I said, uh, so, so was it fun? Did he do the oral quizzes? 
And he was like, yeah. I said, I invented those. And he was like, <laughs> what? He goes, oh my God, I can't, I got to call up all my friends. He says, you invented the oral quiz. I was like, yes. The reason Mr. Creasy's doing that is because of me. So that was just recently, you know, that here's a student that I had that's doing exactly what I did. And he, he's just like me. He's nuts. You know, he's very, very excited about the subject. Great teacher. We need more teachers with that level of enthusiasm. This uh, really enjoyed the time, Chris. I'd like to uh, wrap up with what are you most proud of in your career? What am I most proud of in my career? Um, gee, that's a that's a good question. Probably that I, from the first day when I was taught, I always made sure that what would I, if my kid was in this class, my son or my daughter was in this class, you know, how would I want to conduct myself, you know? And, and, and I, I never settled, you know what I mean? I never compromised. Mm. I got, you know, I retired with 340 sick days um, and I didn't get paid for them. I wow. got nothing because I couldn't take off because I was always worried. What about my students? Hmm. Now it's going to be hard to make stuff up. So you, know, you might laugh. You, know, you definitely are going to laugh. I would take off once in a while. You, you know when I would take off? Take a guess. Um, like a conference of some kind? or There you go. Superintendent conference days. It's like, <laughs> there's no way. I am wasting my time going to that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's when I would take off. <laughs> but, yeah, 340 sick days. Um, and I'm, I was kind of proud of that because I was there for them. I was there for the students. I... Like, I have no regrets. There's nothing that I look back that I should have done. You know, I gave it 110%. Um, and, you know, they were great. So, well, this has been a blast. I really enjoyed your, your enthusiasm, your love of the subject, your love of the profession. And I, I'm sure that came through in today's interview. Chris Visco, thank you so much for joining us on Get School with Mr. S. All right. Thank you so much. It was fun. Once again, thanks to our guest, Chris Fisco, for joining us on Get Schooled with Mr. S. Now, it's time for my raise your hand portion of the show, where we answer listeners' questions. I feel it's important to hear from parents and teachers around the nation and share our collective experiences. So, in order for you to get in touch with the show, you may tweet us at getschooled underscore pod or email us getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com. So, raise your hand and join the conversation like Kevin did. Kevin emails, Dear Mr. S, we are all living and working in a politically divided environment. What advice do you have to help teachers handle hot button issues that come up in class? Thanks for raising your hand, Kevin. My first impulse is to say run, but my serious answer, I think one of the things that teachers can do, and that's, that's always that fine line, and we had discussed that on an earlier podcast, is how active a role a teacher should get in a class discussion. From my perspective, I think the best way to handle that is the students do not know the political leanings of a teacher. But what I think the best path the teacher should do is educate, link to articles that show opposing sides, have them write summaries, have them discuss and debate. Rather than coming up with an opinion without facts, make them research it. 
make them argue their opposite position. That is something that we do in our high school with the debate program. You flip a coin and you have to be ready to go on both sides. So I think improving those critical thinking skills so the student can have an informed opinion based with facts and argue rationally rather than irrationally, which I think dominates our social media landscape right now. Great question. Thanks for raising your hand, Kevin. Once again, if you want to join the show, you can reach us, Twitter, at getschooled underscore pod, email getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com. That's a wrap for this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. We always appreciate that. Or connect with us on Twitter at getschooled underscore pod, email getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com. Today's show was produced and edited by the Bearcat Group. Music by Patrick Patricios. Thanks for listening to Get School with Mr. S. See you next time.